This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of But God Can, How to Stop Striving and Live Purposefully and Abundantly, written and narrated by Becky Kaiser and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Welcome to the Grace Enough Podcast. I am your host, Amber Cullum. Today, I sit down with Carrie Garcia. We discuss her journey of discovering true freedom in Christ after a number of traumas that threatened to destroy her. Through her experience, God led her to launch the Freedom Movement. The Freedom Movement carries the message that you're never too messy, too broken, or too hurt to receive God's love and live in His victory. We dive into all of that and more during today's conversation. If you enjoy our conversation, I ask you to share it with a friend. Share it with someone who often wonders if they're too far gone for God to love them. Carrie Garcia, welcome to the Grace Enough podcast. I am excited to be here. I've heard so much about this podcast and so many of my friends talk about this podcast. So I was like, yes. Really? Like, well, that, that yeah. excites me. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully we'll have a fun, serious, and engaging conversation. I think some people think those can't coexist. And I'm like, Mm-mm, that's wrong. Yeah, they absolutely <laughs> can. And if not, I don't want any part of it. I know, right? <laughs> Life is long if it's only serious and sad. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, let's get started. As we begin to dive in to your newest book, Free and Fully Alive, I know that you are you grew up a preacher's kid and mm-hmm. you grew up living some things that most of us hope we never experience in our worst nightmares. And mm-hmm. so tell us a little bit of your story just to kind of lay that foundation of what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty good way of putting it. You know, I did grew up in pastor's home. Mom played the egg shaker on the worship team. You know, <laughs> we were really <laughs> radical Christians back then. Really, the truth is we showed up to church on Sunday morning playing the perfect part and then went home, but we never really talked about what was going on inside my home. My mom's pervasive eating disorder and her mental illness, the fact that my dad was kind of just moving into ministry to be the salve to his broken heart and not Mm -hmm. really dealing with what was going on. I think for someone like me and my temperament, I saw that there was something wrong. I wanted to talk about what was wrong because I was this little truth teller and that is not welcomed in a home that has a lot of secrets. Mm -hmm. And so when I didn't have anywhere to go with those feelings, emotions, uh, confusion about God and our family and everything. I just wanted to numb what I was feeling, which is a really natural, normal human Mm -hmm. response. And I numbed with drug addiction. I was like, well, I'm going to do drugs because that's going to help me escape. Plus I really wanted to be popular. And that's what all the popular kids were doing was like, well, they do drugs that, you know, was, I didn't go to Rydell high. It was like, for whatever reason, the cheerleaders weren't the popular ones, the drug heads were. So, you know, I started doing, going down that road um, and was an addict for about 10 years um, wow. on meth. And long story short, it kind of evolved into this place where uh, I was in, I was married and I got off drugs. I was doing ministry. Ministry kind of became the next form of addiction that I sat mm-hmm. in, mm-hmm. of just wanting 
approval and applause and performance. And I just really thought, man, if, if I'm to feel the abundant life that God talks about, then, then I need to perform for that. Like, cause mm-hmm. that's what I saw. I saw my mom perform. I saw my dad perform. And here at 27 years old, everything had fallen apart. My parents had gotten divorced. It was like Camelot fell. Mm-hmm. And at that moment in my life, I just realized this was, it was all for nothing. I performed, I did all the things and God felt far. My family fell apart. My, my marriage at the time was in shambles. My life was in shambles. And I just thought, you know, it'd be better if I wasn't here, uh, at, sitting Ooh. in my studio apartment alone, um, marriage done, family gone, ministry gone. And that voice just started going over and over. It would be so much better if you weren't here. And it just was like a tape player in my head over and over again. And it was in that moment that um, I tried to take my life and I had an encounter with God. And I had had encounters with God throughout even my addiction years because I was bought with a price and Jesus lived in me. Um, But this moment I remember distinctly hearing, Carrie, I've seen all you've done and all these other people are not me. If you turn this car around, it's going to be a long journey, but I promise you, you will find hope in it and I will be with you. And I had like half of a mustard seed of faith <laughs> right. and turned the car around and began this really arduous journey, a pilgrimage, if you will, of discovering not just, I want to be free. I was free to do whatever I wanted, but, you know, I really was, but I was not living fully alive. And I really wanted to know uh, what that meant. And that became the pilgrimage journey to discovering what it meant to live a fully alive life, this side of heaven. Because I know that you do a lot of trauma counseling. It's interesting to hear you say that ministry became your next addiction. And so I'm going back to that a little bit, because I want people listening to hear and understand that you can still be living in destructive behaviors and patterns while on the outside, you are very, very much, I don't want to just say pretending because I think we really want to be living yeah. for the Lord. Great point. But there's a lot of work that goes into the transformation in the brain and in the heart. It, it rarely happens overnight unless God really does do an immediate miracle. Mm -hmm. And so while that was your tipping point, when you finally said like, okay, I know I need to turn this car around. Mm -hmm. Like, what did that process practically begin to look like? Because again, it is a long-term thing that I'm sure you're still working on. Oh yeah. I mean, anybody that said they, they have arrived, uh, run from that relationship because it's not true. There's, there's (laughs) just no one, there's just no one that's arrived. Um, the, the practicality of that was first and foremost, being brutally honest with Mm -hmm. myself and with God. Um, and first it was being brutally honest with myself. A lot of times people will ask me, and this is what I talk about in the book, that the first portion of really stepping into this fully alive, abundant life that God talks about, uh, is really getting brutally honest with yourself and we are not honest with ourselves. We, we minimize, we avoid, we straight up lie to ourselves. That's not that big of a deal. It doesn't matter. That happened so long ago. Um, really, I just need, all I need to do is just do the good now and forget what's happened before. And the problem is Mm -hmm. you are an integrated whole person. Mm -hmm. And so 
um, really for me, it was getting honest with what is actually moving me into behavior modification to try to soothe and ease the pain of what I didn't know how to deal with in my story. Mm. And that was number one. Okay. This is actually where I'm at. I mean, for me, it was pretty brutal. Cause I was like, I'm either going to die or live. That's yeah. dramatic. For most of us, we don't go there, but we are living a gray kind of half alive life, even when it's under the umbrella of our religion, our service in the church, our ministry. Um, we are living half alive because we are looking to external things to actually heal an internal issue. Mm. So for me, it was really getting honest with myself and then inviting God into brutally. I mean, I was mad at God. There was a lot going on there. Yeah. Brutally into the story, not just a give it to God mentality. That was not working. Just give it to God and then walk away. That was uh, not personal. It was not interpersonal. It was not the process. Like it talks about in Galatians, if we're going to live by the spirit, we have to walk by the spirit. Walking in the spirit is interpersonal. It's a relationship, not a give it to God mentality. And so this was an invitation. God, I want you to come into the pit pain of my experience and mm -hmm. tend to, and walk me through what this looks like. Well, and in a conversation I just had with Felicia Masonheimer, we were talking about mm -hmm. how much the spirit of God is often like missing from our discipleship mm -hmm. because the actual spirit of God living in us, yes, you know, us together is the transforming work of moving forward. And so then tell me when you think about that and you get brutally honest with yourself mm -hmm. and you know, like, okay, I've been told there's freedom in Christ. And, and I know this, like we know these things in our head, but then we do not live them out. Like we're like, right. but my life does not feel abundant. My right. life feels awful. Mm -hmm. And so what were some things that you began to see as you continued on this path that, okay, that is an abundance mindset. Mm -hmm. That is an abundant life because it's abundant living is not free of pain. It's not free yeah. of suffering. It's not free of work. Flesh that out for us a bit. An abundant life is being able to hold the hurt and the hope in the same breath, the grief yeah. and the gratitude in the same yeah. breath. It's being able to be alive to all of your life and not eradicating or severing parts of you mm. so that you can uh, arrive. It, it, it's not a fully alive life is not arrival. The moment that we came to know Jesus, we were justified. The moment that we go into heaven, we will be glorified. A glorification will happen in our mm. body, but we are in the process right. of our sanctification and being saved. And it is in that process that we discover that God doesn't want to be absent from our pain. He actually wants to be present in our pain and he wants to be present in our joy. We mm. are taught an eradicating message, eradicate sin from your life, eradicate pain from your life, eradicate the past from your life and just move forward. And the problem is, is when you do that, you are eradicating parts of you that need to be either tended to or repented of uh, or dealt with. Uh, in the story of our life. And so I began to understand that fully alive didn't mean leaving parts of myself behind. 
Mm. A fully alive life meant bringing all of it before the Lord and together linking arms with him and the spirit of God living in me. And it's, it's almost like a dimmer switch, if you will. Like if you look at Galatians and it talks about the fruit of the spirit, there's the fruit of the flesh and the fruit of the fruit of the spirit. And we think that, you know, our inheritance is heaven. No, our inheritance is the fruit of the spirit living within us, this side of heaven. And it's like a dimmer switch Mm -hmm. now. It's always in you. The fruit of the spirit is in you, but it's like a dimmer switch that has to begin to be brightened as you surrender, repent, and bring all of your flesh desires, all of the fruit of the flesh before the Lord. Mm -hmm. And something begins to get brighter. Supernaturally, there begins to be an exchange. And this is what I believe that God is talking about in a fully alive life, that, that the dimmer switch gets brighter and brighter and brighter as God begins to tend to your life and a supernatural exchange begins to happen. But that can't happen if you don't bring the flesh before the Lord, Mm -hmm. the the hard before the Lord, the hurt before the Lord, all of it before the Lord. This episode is brought to you in part by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries, which prepares Christian women for leadership. At BOW, we believe that every woman is a leader because she influences someone. So whom do you influence? Do you mentor a woman, serve in the workplace, or do you lead a small group, teach the Bible, or even lead an entire ministry? No matter who or how many you influence, our free online resources will help equip you. Our videos, podcast episodes, and articles from experienced women leaders will encourage you and perfect your leadership skills. They offer wisdom for dealing with ministry pitfalls, current biblical issues, health for your own soul, and insights for shepherding others well. In addition, BOW offers Bible studies designed to connect women of multiple generations. They provide a challenge to both women new to the Bible and those wanting to dig deeper. Be our guest and browse all of our free resources and low-cost Bible studies at beyondordinarywomen.org. Well, and I deeply appreciate that in the book, you do dive into, like, I mean, you talk a lot about how your past does not disqualify you from your purpose in God. And if you don't get over that hurdle, life is really long and you just run in circles. I feel like you run in circles thinking, why can't I get past this? What what is happening? Mm -hmm. Talk to us a little bit about that. Like, how do we stop looking at our past as something like you said, we have to sever and forget, Mm -hmm. but instead realizing that like, no, your past doesn't disqualify you. It actually is something that when you work through, it propels you into the purpose that God has before you. Right. Well, I talk about in the book, the cycle of false freedom. And when we don't deal with the parts of us that have been wounded, whether you think it's like big T trauma or you have minimized it to the point where it's like, I don't know, I had a good childhood. All of us have been assaulted by an enemy because we bear the image of God, all of us. So we have to look at those places where we have been assaulted because it is in those places that actually hold the particularities of our pain that produce the particularities of our calling. So if we ignore those places, we actually don't get to understand 
what is going to make us passionate? What's going to be that holy discontent that we mm. see on the earth that we want to help bring uh, freedom to for others? Instead, we stay on the cycle of false freedom. We look to ministry or pornography or drugs or people pleasing or success to try to heal that internal, those internal stories that need to be tended to and cared for. And so when you look at your life, are you on the wheel of kind of behavior modification, this cycle of false freedom, trying to find behaviors to heal this internal stories that have caused so much pain and have begun a narrative for you that is really a lie, but a narrative that you have believed about yourself that is keeping you actually from true heart transformation. And so the book is a lot about, hey, let's look at our life as a whole, because mm -hmm. I think we're going to find that in those places of your stories, you are that have been harmed, you're going to actually find your gifting because the enemy has assaulted your gifting in mm -hmm. particularity to you. And you're actually going to find your calling. What makes me look at the land and go where I was assaulted, I want to partner with God that that would not happen for anyone else on this land. But if we eradicate ourselves from our whole story, then we actually are just in a cycle of trying to find ourselves and we are at no mm. avail. Well, and do you find that some of that actually comes down if you've grown up in a religious tradition, in our mm -hmm. case, we're talking about Christianity, because so often I think we can have this guilt complex of well, because I can't get past this, I don't have enough faith. I must yeah. not be really giving it, like you said mm -hmm. earlier, to God. When I would say that is 100 well, I don't want to say 100%. Most of the time, that is not true. It's not mm -hmm. about necessarily greater faith muscles, but it's about slower living mm -hmm. and allowing the presence of the living God in you to partner with you for healing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. What would you say to that? Because I do think sometimes in their best effort to get us to grow up in God, we sometimes right. end up handicapping people. Right. I, I think we need to define what faith is. Faith is not your ability to overcome. Faith is your ability to be able to embrace what has happened and see God move in it. Faith is a mm. grounding mechanism. When the world is spinning around you, your faith is what anchors you. Now, remember, faith is to remember what has happened and bring it into the present. God died for me. He rose again. I bring that into the present. I remember the time when I was at my worst and God met me. I bring that into the present. Faith is a remembering of what happened and bringing it into the present to allow you to stay grounded in where you are. Somehow we have attached faith to being able to have uh, the ability to overcome our circumstances. That's, that's not what faith does. Faith grounds us and allows the presence of God, God's belief, faith, power to live within us, to keep us in the ability to be able to keep going in the midst of heartache. Mm. It is it is not a tool used to go, well, I just need to have more faith to overcome this. I'm sorry, but you know, my mom committed suicide. That mm. is the a tragic part of my story. And there will be times, although I've done a ton of work around 
grieving it and healing from the effects of that, there are moments where mm -hmm. the human part of me feels the loss and the longing and the sting of her death. Mm -hmm. Now, does that mean that I don't have enough faith because I'm still feeling the, the sting of the pain of this world? I don't want to live in a world where the death and suicide of my mom is just okay. Like, I don't want to live in a world where the, the diagnose of my child with leukemia or the loss of my child or the death of my husband is just okay. Mm. I, I, that's not what faith is. Faith is going, I don't know the outcome fully, God, in this moment, but I am trusting that your presence will tend to me here. And I will hold to the fact that you have been present in the past. You have been faithful in the past. So you will be faithful to walk me through this valley of shadow of death. That's faith. Yeah, that's faith. Yeah. And it's much deeper and much more powerful than this idea of like, I just have to have more faith to overcome my circumstances. That's crazy. Well, because that becomes an earning mentality again. Like, I mean, the actual definition of faith in Hebrews is being sure of what you hope for. Right. And certain of what you do not see. Right. And that is that I can look that God did this in the past. Mm -hmm. And so I'm trusting that he will do that in the future, even though I do not see it. Right. Wow. Right. That's right. such a shift. But oftentimes that's not what we hear. <laughs> right, right, right. You just need to have more faith. Oh, it drives me crazy, Carrie. It drives me crazy. Right, right. <laughs> and then you hear the scripture of the man that says, Lord, I believe and help me in my unbelief. Right. I mean, to eradicate our humanity is to live in a falsehood. We are fully human, uh, fully human, made in the garden, in perfection. We were made human. We were not made angelic. We were yep. not made in deity. Now we bear deity mm -hmm. because of the image in which we bear, but we are fully human. God has never asked us to eradicate our humanity. He has asked us to bring our humanity and allow his deity to meet us right here on earth. And that's where faith is built. That is where we are tended to. Faith mm -hmm. is not the eradication of our pain. It is the presence of God in our pain and the hope that what God says will happen in the future, we bring that into today. That's faith and hope living together, which then produces love. So you know, it's in those places that I just want to encourage those that are listening. Like, it's not about you having more faith. It's yeah. about you allowing God's presence to infiltrate your heart. And supernaturally, faith will begin to grow because he will bring to mind the people that he has been faithful to, the moments he's been faithful to you mm. to be present in your heartache, not to overcome. You don't have to be an overcomer. You get to be an embracer. God is the overcomer. Yes. You get to actually go under his wing and allow him to overcome and mm -hmm. you to be tended to and cared for. That's, that's the Bible. Yeah. Well, and don't you think too, where that man says that, you know, increase or, or basically increase my faith. Right. It's not again, give me more faith so I can overcome. It actually is increase my faith to trust that you will do it. Even when right now I'm struggling to trust that you will work and in you will me. do it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Ah, uh, see, that's some good stuff because so that's good. just like a little tiny tweak of little things that we hear along the way in good intentions that sometimes we begin because we in our fallen nature, I think want to think we can, we need to earn. 
Like, right? right? That's kind of how we are. We think we need to earn. We think we need to constantly be doing stuff um, for God to love us, for God to work in us. And that's just false theology. Right. We just think in terms of arrival. And so we are not, God is not an arrival God. He's not a destination God. He's a journey God. He's a process Mm -hmm. God. He's a presence God. And so, yeah, it, it's, it's not about arrival and yet we are fast food, fast fashion and fast freedom. (laughs) And, and that's not, it's a lie. And remember what the enemy does. He takes truth and he twists it. Even a small tweak throws us off course. And that's why it's so important to know our scriptures from front to back and and study who God really is. Yeah. Well, and I think the tweak throws us for more of a loop than if he just came in and straight up told the bold faced lie, right? Right. The, right. the, the part, the partial truth <laughs> is often, yeah, <laughs> yeah, because we begin to say, well, maybe that is right. <laughs> right. I mean, we're all back to Eve in the garden, right? That's right. I mean, he wasn't totally wrong. That's right. You will know good and evil. That's right. It's like good for our hearts, you know? And she was like, well, it's good to eat. I should have it. Yeah. Anyway, yes, I know yeah. we could talk about this forever, but truly it is the essence of coming back to who we were created to be. And that is to live in communion with God, not to eradicate our humanity. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about trauma because it is obviously a portion, a a large portion of the book because you've been trained in that way and it's been a part of your story. And so I'm glad that the conversation about trauma is becoming front and center. Mm -hmm. But like so many things, I worry that we'll go to the other side of overcorrection You know, we tend to do that. Karen Swallow Mm -hmm. Pryor says that, like we go from one extreme to the next. In this current program that you're in, and maybe you can tell us with Dan Allender that you're getting Mm -hmm. your certification in, you know, help us, like, how is it helping you to understand that trauma does help us understand uh, sin and brokenness Mm -hmm. and that we have all experienced it and it doesn't always have to be the rape, the, mm-hmm. my mother committed suicide. Right. There are little things along the way. And it's good to notice that because it mm-hmm. does help us understand our sin, our brokenness, our need for Jesus. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you. I think there's a real pendulum swift with shift. I'm thankful we're talking about trauma. Trauma is mostly to talk about how it has affected your body and mm-hmm. how your body has responded. And we, I believe as Christians and in the church, we have really shied away from talking about the body. And in fact, Mm. we see the body as bad and uh, we, you know, we're trained to cover our bodies. We were trained. There's just a lot of stuff around our bodies being bad. And I think it's a real ploy of the enemy because um, the body houses the Holy spirit and it tells the truth. It tells the truth about, you know, what's gone on. And so for me, the reason why, Uh, talking about trauma was so important is because it starts to integrate our body, mind, and spirit in one and not just going, our mind and our spirit are where I'm going to focus, but it allows us to understand what's going on bodily uh, in, in our brain, in our nervous system, to understand some of our behaviors that we're doing, our coping mechanisms um, and how those places need to heal. The God wants to heal our body too. He doesn't just want to heal your spirit and your mind. He actually wants to heal your body. And we, and and that is where trauma is stored is in the body. And I want to define trauma in a really easy way. Uh, Anytime that you've experienced powerlessness 
it is a moment where you're experiencing trauma. Now, I don't want to minimize big T trauma and the right. effect it has, but you have to understand that little T traumas, if you will, over time produce really big effects. Yep. So if you look at someone who is a people pleaser and they came from a really seemingly good home, but they are constantly in a state of people pleasing. That is a trauma response to try to gain control and safety. That is a role that they played in their home to be the good kid, to be the one that doesn't cause waves. And what God wants to do is go, I actually want you to, to, to please people, but not at the sake of losing yourself. And so God is, I believe, constantly wanting us to come back to where are the places where the enemy has taken us offline to use things to begin to help, uh, to try to help us mitigate our pain. And this is why trauma is so important to understand because it has a bodily effect. My rage has a bodily effect. My, uh, my depression is a bodily response. And so if God wants to free, uh, God wants to free us. And, and if we don't understand how our body works, we are actually like, it, it's like we're healing two spokes of a three spoked wheel. And that's not what God wants. God wants full healing. So we do need to understand trauma. The problem is, is that we then think that in our own mind, if we can just understand trauma and really get the psychological effects behind it. We put all of our eggs in that basket mm -hmm. and then we yeah. eradicate what it means to actually be led by the spirit and be yeah. healed and transformed by the spirit of God, which can really only happen in God. So you really have to have both. You can't yes. have one or the other. And that is a conversation that we literally could talk about for an hour or more. Totally. totally. And I mean, I know that because having been someone who has been a follower of Jesus for over 20 years Yet stepping into a counselor's office for the first time, a few years after I became a Christian mm -hmm. to deal with some childhood things, and mm -hmm. then having gone and done the traditional talk therapy multiple times throughout my adult life. But then finally, a few years ago being like, okay, I've hit this wall. And the reality is this whole time, I have the discipline of being in the word of God every day. Mm -hmm. I have the discipline of prayer. I live an integrated life, I would say, not a perfect life, but where yeah. I'm I'm acknowledging the present of presence of God in me and in the world mm -hmm. most of the day. Um, but realizing there was something else. And that's when I started EMDR. Yeah. And mm -hmm. it has absolutely transformed everything. Yeah. Yeah. Yet I'm not like I needed those foundational parts of therapy and learning to live an integrated life, I believe first mm -hmm. before I even got there. And I'm not saying that's everybody's story, but I think right. that's a good illustration of when you're talking about the spirit of God mm -hmm. and all of the other tools, they are things God uses in order 100%. to bring about that healing. A hundred percent. All EMDR is for those that are listening yes. is basically helping you identify the stories where you have, where trauma is stuck in your body. Mm -hmm. um, and it's really EMDR is an ability to be able to unearth a story that you've not been able to unearth. All, yep. all I do, everything I do is centered around story work. That's the, yeah. because the stories hold the keys. Um, and that is where God wants to work. And that's where the enemy works. We say like the Bible says in Proverbs 20, verse five, a man's heart is like deep waters. 
It takes a man of understanding to draw it out. One of the key things in my book is connection to self, connection to God, and then connection to others. Mm -hmm. We cannot heal just you and God. I'm sorry, but it's not biblical where that's the fullness of your healing. Yeah. And it's not full, fully living either, which is right along with your book, right? Like that's not full living either. No, he does not. not ask us to do that. No. In fact, the enemy does. The enemy asks us to isolate because when we are in isolation, even if we're saying we're communing with God, we need another human to help hold up a mirror and help us see the truth of what we're saying, thinking, feel. Just the other day, I literally texted a friend that said, I said to her, I mean, I do all the things, guys. I mean, I do all the stuff. This is what I do for a living, right? And I text her, I said, I am feeling the oppression of some thoughts that are old narratives for me. Would yeah. you pray for me? And in the ability of not just praying for me, we walked through in a conversation. This is actually what's going on in my head. Guys, I went away for a day with Jesus and prayed about it. I repented. I rebuked. I did all. I did my exercises. I did my, my contemporary, you know, contemplative the prayer. Breathing, I did all the yeah. things. And yet I still needed to, I, I'm not thinking clearly. I can't get it clear. And this is what I want to help you guys understand is that what Amber's saying is in EMDR or whatever, it's the ability of having someone else hold your story and name truth to it. Hey, wait a minute. That's actually abusive. What happened to you? Mm -hmm. Nah, nah, it's not that big of a deal. No, no, it is a big deal. Well, other people have it worse than me. No, no, I'm not dealing with anyone else. That's right. I'm sitting with you. Yeah. And what you're telling me right now, that's really neglectful. That's massive betrayal, whatever it is. And to have another human through the power of the Holy Spirit speak truth to a part of your story that has been stuck in your life is the ability. And we know this scientifically, mm -hmm. it actually helps part of your brain heal yeah. and it helps your spirit become integrated. And this is what you're talking about. And the reason why I wanted to say that is because to be honest with you, most of us can't afford EMDR. It's true. We can't afford therapy. So we live in an America that says therapy, therapy, therapy. And I'm all about therapy. I'm sure my therapist has, you know, two beautiful cars because of me, but <laughs> most of us cannot <laughs> afford therapy. It's one of the reasons why I wrote this book. Yeah. It can get you some of the tools, but ultimately God is saying, if you need to heal, if you want to heal, there are stories in your life that need to be unearthed all of you, whether mm -hmm. you do that through EMDR and through a therapist, or whether you do that in a safe place with a friend where the Holy Spirit is present, where they are willing to name truth for you in your story. God is not saying you can't heal unless you go to therapy. I just don't believe it. But I do believe there are components to healing that all have to be in place in order for us to heal. And part of that is having someone hold the stories you've not been able to hold on your own. Yeah. And that's where the brutal honesty comes in, right? Like you have, you got to just finally trust someone yeah. with it. And that yeah. can be so hard when you've been so hurt. Hard. So hard. We've all been hurt. We've all that's been right. hurt. There's no one that has not been hurt by another human being, not one per and brutally hurt by the people that have loved us the most. Most of the time, our massive hurts come from our family of origin. Yeah. So, you know, when we look at that, we have to go, if this is what God says is true, I have to find it. That's the faith component. That's where I have to have faith. That's yeah. where I say, okay, God, I'm going to trust you because you say this is true. And so I am going to reach out yet again. I'm going to join that group. I'm going to, I'm going to buy that book. I'm going to 
start my next step? And that's the question I would yeah. ask you. Maybe you can't get to EMDR and maybe you can't get to one of my three-day intensive trainings, but can you pick up a book that's going to start the process where I literally wrote this because I know you sitting in the pews at church doing all the things. And yet when the lights are out and no one's around, your heart says, there's got to be more. Is is what, what can I do, God? And he offers a salve through a friend, through a book, through whatever your next step is. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's really why I wrote this is because there is a how-to. There are steps to healing, but they all have to be there for it to work. Realize, I think too, that like God's not in a hurry and I don't mean that he's absent. It's just, it's a slow process. Yep. Where do you feel like, because I know my friend Vanitha and for me too, you know, writing, journaling, so much processing can take place with that. What are your thoughts on that when it comes to your story? Like if you're not at a place where you feel like you have a really safe person, Mm -hmm. do you instruct people? Do you guide people into, you know, write out those stories? Yeah, I do. I mean, it's really hard to see your own story the way that you are, the way that it really happened. We are creatures of survival. So we, and so, you know, your younger years, things happen to you. You learned how to survive and, you know, adapt for a better word, but you learn how to survive those survival techniques. And so it's hard to see your own story. And this is why I do offer, you know, a monthly membership that's super cheap and like, you know, things that can kind of help you get going. But if you can't afford any of that, first, you do need to understand the foundations of this work. It, it, it would be to, you will not be able to understand just writing out your story on your own. It'll be very difficult. But if you can get the book for 14 bucks, this will help you. Um, you write about 600 words uh, and you take one particular story. Yeah. One particular story. Don't give me the timeline. Uh, don't give me, you know, the the backstory, the front story. One particular story. I was in my kitchen and give me as many particularities as you can. The carpet, I was in the living room. The carpet was orange. The sun was setting. My dad was sitting to my left. No one was else was there. This is what was said. This is how I felt. You write that out in about 600 words. And then here's three questions you can ask yourself when you read, when you read this story. What was I feeling? when this story was how, what was the feeling that I held? And if you don't know how to identify those feelings, you can get a feelings chart. It's in my book um, for a feeling that you felt. What was Mm -hmm. I feeling? What did I do to not have to feel that way Mm -hmm. anymore? And how is that action of not feeling that way? How is that still playing out today? Mm -hmm. How do I still do those same behaviors today? And as you just ask those three questions and then you go, Lord, Holy Spirit, help me, help me to begin to see and grieve what happened to that little girl or that little boy and why I had to shut down the way that I did. And as you grieve, you invite God into the grief and it is through the power of grieving. We talk about it in the book, exactly the steps on how to godly grieve, which talks about what, which Paul talks about in his scriptures, how to godly grieve to move you towards repentance, gratitude, and restoration. The beauty of the process of grieving is the gift that is given to you to take back your story. And you take back your story through grieving. 
Mm. Um, and so that's what I would Beautiful. say is to kind of break that down a little bit. Yeah. So helpful. So helpful for first steps. Well, let's close with this. We've talked about the abundant life and you write about how the abundant life is not meant to just hold close. It's mm. not just meant for ourselves. Right. It's meant to be poured out onto others. Yes. And so as you walk through this healing process and you begin to see the goodness of God in the land of the living, even though it's hard, yes. <laughs> um, how can individuals, you know, really partner with God to help bring that goodness, to help overflow that life into other people without slipping into I'm achieving for God. I'm achieving mm -hmm. for God. Share a few of those things, just how we can pour that abundance into our communities, into our friendships. Mm -hmm. Well, remember, again, it's a dimmer switch. As you continue to surrender your life and repent and bring your, your stories before the Lord, the dimmer switch gets brighter and brighter in the fruits of those of the spirit. You know, the fruit of the spirit begins to grow. And so the thing is, is that even to this day, all this work I've done, the the ugly rearing head of achievement or comparison will still come mm -hmm. because it's still such a part of my, my brokenness. And yet it, I have tools now to go, Oh Lord. Okay. Here. Or I have people that I know I right. can reach out because I've begun to heal in those areas. So you're always going to have some of those mixed motives, but the dimmer switch does get brighter mm -hmm. as you continue to surrender before the Lord. And here's what I'd say, hurt people for sure hurt people, but free people, free people. And that is our mantra over at my organization called Freedom Movement, free people, free people. And something begins to happen when your story begins to get redeemed. Uh, this mm -hmm. hell no, not on my watch. Well, I continue to let this happen on the land. Heaven, yes, but hell no. Yes. And that only happens when we've allowed the places of our story to become unearthed, brought before the Lord, tended to by God and others, that we start to go, man, I, I just want to help anyone that's stuck in fill in the blank. The yeah. places where you were stuck, the places where you believed lies, the places where you have been redeemed begin to be the places where you want to offer by the power of the Holy Spirit through you redemption. So I really say out of the particularities of your pain come the particularities of your calling. You want to know what your mark is going to be on this land. Allow your pain to be tended to because you cannot take others farther than you're willing to go yourself. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Carrie, that's a good place to end. Um, thank you for putting in the work and not keeping it to yourself. Free and Fully Alive is an excellent resource. What is your website if people just want to check out all of your things? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I run an organization called Freedom Movement. You can follow me, Carrie Scott Garcia, or Freedom underscore Movement on all the social platforms. Um, but you can go to wearefm.org and it literally has, I have three-day trainings. I have a monthly membership. I have a one-day training. I have one coming up. So and they're always coming up. So I don't even know when this is going to air, but they're always coming up. So <laughs> you can go to wearefm.org and find all the trainings to help you in your story, but to also help you. How do I sit with others? That's a lot of what we do. How do I hold space for the human heart for restoration? And we give you a lot of training in that. So wearefm.org and you can buy my book anywhere books are sold, even Barnes and Noble. I win. Uh, so cute. My little book, <laughs> but it's on Amazon and anywhere books are sold free and fully alive. Well, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. I hope today's conversation resonated with you. 
If you find yourself wondering if God can love someone like you, or maybe you've thought that about your child or a family member or a friend, I do want to encourage you to utilize the resources Carrie mentioned. Those are all linked in the show notes. Thank you for listening to the Grace Enough Podcast. Tune in next time. This episode was brought to you in part by the Better Samaritan Podcast, where Jamie Ayton and Kent Annan discuss everything from simple acts of kindness to complex humanitarian challenges with their guests. Want to learn how to faithfully do good better? Find insights at The Better Samaritan.